Can you name for me one action that is always wrong? That is always, if you would, to use the term, a sin. One action that is always wrong, always a sin. That is the question that I would frequently ask my students. I used to be a professor at a religious liberal arts college, and in one of my classes, especially in ethics, I would ask my students that exact question. One thing, always wrong. Well, the typical response would be murder. Murder is always wrong, they would say. Then I would ask them, well, what, what is the physical action itself? Killing another individual. So you're telling me killing another individual is always wrong. And there would be a pause, even a little bit of silence. And then someone would raise their hand and go, um, what about if you kill someone in self-defense? Is that always wrong? And then the discussion would begin. But during those discussions, some amazing things would take place. There would be some who would be able to kind of think about the ambiguities, the, the other possibilities that might come into play. But then there were others who were very much just, nope, it's always wrong. And I begin to get the first sense of black and white thinking versus gray thinking. When I asked the question, another one would say, what well, rape? Rape is always, always wrong. And again, I would ask the question, are you telling me that the act of sexual intercourse is always wrong? Well, no, 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 no. We're not saying that. Then what are we you saying? Well, again, the complexity of a situation begins to come to the forefront. Is the act of sexual intercourse, is it consensual or non-consensual? Those are the factors that would, would come in and mess things up for people. A lot of my students, they wanted black and white thinking. So they were very uncomfortable with this exercise. They are the kind of individuals who would much rather prefer to watch a Western movie. Now, what does that have to do with this question? Well, black and white. You watch a Western movie, which, by the way, I thoroughly enjoy watching them, both the old ones and the new ones. But Western movies, the majority of them are rooted in one person who either literally or figuratively is wearing the white hat and then the other person who is wearing the black hat. So it becomes very easy to understand, either literally or figuratively, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. But some of these Western movies, some of them will actually throw in some complexity, some ambiguity. And you begin to ask, is the guy wearing the black hat, is he really that bad? And the guy wearing the white hat, is he always good? What about some of his motives, some of his reasons for doing what he's doing? Are those always pure? Are they always right? I think the majority of us prefer black and white thinking. We prefer certainty. We prefer no ambiguity. Why? Because it makes life easier. 
It's easy to think in your mind, this is right, this is wrong. I do this, this happens. If I do this, this happens. Make it very clear. Make it easy. And so we want to be told what to do, and we want to be told frequently what to believe. It just makes life easier, less hassle. I don't have to think about all these things. I've got enough stress and worries in my life. Why do I need to stop and think about if it's ethical to allow someone to take their own life, euthanasia? It's a lot easier just to think, well, it's wrong, and that's all there is to it. And the reason why I think that is innately within us it's that is the way that we were taught as children how to get, be able to get along. As children, we don't have that ability, if you would, to reason through those things, to be able to see something from a multitude of angles and, and the multifacetedness of, of an issue. It's, as a kid, it's just very simple. I remember as a, raising two daughters, watching them, one of the things that would happen is I would tell them, you can't do that. Well, when they were little, they would just, okay, they don't do it. But then as they got older, they learned one word that began to tell me that their brain was beginning to develop as far as the ability to reason and think things through. Why? Because that's the word they would use. You can't do that. Why? Because I said so. Why? And all of a sudden, they wanted more than just black and white thinking. They wanted certainty. But what happens over time as their brain develops and as they have different experiences, then in many areas, they begin to see life as being gray. That is what we call the process of maturing. It's the process of realizing that it isn't always black and white. And I think there's a lot of individuals who prefer black and white, but and there's a few areas that they will allow the gray. They would like to spend the majority of time in the black and white, but occasionally they'll come over here and they'll muddle around in the gray areas. Now, that's comfortable for them. So we all have those areas where we're willing to say, yeah, let me think about that. And other areas where it's, no, this is right, this is wrong, this is what I'm going to go with. But I think there's one realm in particular where the tendency to stay in the black and white is dominant, and that is religion. Religion, and I want to focus in particular on Christianity, we often see as being a thing that allows us a sense of certainty. We want that. We want to know from the church from pastors, from the Bible, we want to know what is right and what is wrong. And when it comes to the gray, we're not as comfortable. And the reason why I think is very telling, the consequences of being wrong. The consequences for being right and being wrong. The consequences of doing right actions versus wrong actions, the consequences of believing the right thing versus believing the wrong thing, the consequences of having the right thoughts or the wrong thoughts, the consequences of having 
pure emotions and pure feelings versus feelings that are not as pure. Religion is easier to get a handle on if it's left in black and white, and in particular because of the consequences. And for many Christians, the consequences are significant, especially when it comes to after death. If you do enough right things, if you believe the right things, then you get the reward. If you do wrong things, if you have the wrong beliefs, if you have too many doubts, if you ask too many questions, then you may get less than desirable results. And yet, that thinking of black and white has created so many problems for religion, and in particular for Christianity. And I want to talk a little bit further about that right after this break. H.L. Mencken said that for every complex problem, there is an answer that is clear, simple, and wrong. (laughs) Listen to that again. For every complex problem, there is an answer that is clear, simple, and wrong. What he is saying is that we much prefer the simple and the, the... the, the less than complex. We prefer that. Why? Because then we have a certainty that what we're doing is right versus wrong. But yet, when you go in and you read the Bible from the beginning to the end, and I don't think the writers did this intentionally, but for me, when I've read the Bible over and over those many times, I begin to see something, and that is the development over time, as all these different books were written, of a development of a thinking from black and white to one of more gray. Let me explain. If you go back to the original story of the creation of the world, and you read this myth, this story, it's situated in the Garden of Eden, and the Adam and Eve are given a test. When you think about that, that test is very simple. It's very black and white. Adam and Eve don't have to reason through it. God simply tells them, don't eat of that tree, of the fruit of that tree. Just don't do it. It's like what you would tell a three-year-old, don't touch it. Don't eat it. Very simple. Don't have to think about it. It's black and white thinking. So early on, when they're writing the Bible, it appears that this idea of black and white thinking, it seems to work. And then as we move from a small tribes and and people groups to eventually to a nation, the nation of Israel, it's still, when when the early stages of Israel as a nation, it is still based upon very black and white thinking. They tell you, these are the laws. All you have to do is read Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Read those. They tell you what to do. They tell you what not to do. 
They make it clear, black and white thinking. There is no discussion about why. There's no discussion about under what situation or circumstances there might be a, an alternative choice to be made. No, it's very, very clear, black and white. But as you keep reading, you come to the prophets. And when you begin to read the prophets, you all of a sudden realize that there's more gray in involved. In particular, I remember two things. I think about in Jeremiah, where he talks about that there will be a new covenant because the old covenant no longer works. Instead of having the law written on a a stone, now the law will be written into your heart. Instead of being external to you, it will be internal to you. But for the writer to put that down, he's basically saying this black and white thinking that we were accustomed to, it, it isn't working anymore. Life isn't that simple. Life is complex. Life is filled with ambiguities. Life is filled with uncertainties. So he talks about a new covenant. Another one that you'll find in the prophets is the prophets will say, you know, God doesn't want your sacrifices. Wait a minute. If you're listening to this, all of a sudden, and you read back in Leviticus, well, in Leviticus, God tells you, I want you to offer these sacrifices in these situations, in these contexts. This is what you offer. This is what you give me. Prophets come along and say, no, God never wanted that. Again, moving from very black and white, this is what God wants. Now a prophet comes along and says, well, maybe not. Instead, God would rather have a sense of being merciful, a sense of being just. But then what is, what is merciful? Under what context is what is just? Do you see the shift that begins to take place? Over time, as the Bible is being written, I believe we can see this shift that begins to occur from a very simple black and white thinking to something that is more complex. And then you come to Jesus. And Jesus, to me, is very much in line with that gray thinking. Jesus will say, you've heard it said, da-da-da-da-da, but I say unto you, da-da-da-da-da. Jesus offers an alternative, another way of seeing it. That's not black and white. Jesus says, this is the way it was. This is the way it could be. A new understanding. That's moving from very clear black and white, which in black and white thinking tends to be constant. Gray has more fluidity. It shifts. It moves. I also remember in the Gospels where Jesus is said to have have told individuals that if an individual calls their brother a fool, that basically they're guilty of murder. Well, that's not black and white thinking. Because if that's true, I've killed a lot of people. What about you, right? How many times have you thought in your mind, what an idiot? Does that mean you're guilty of murder? The other one that I remember, especially as a kid growing up, where it said that if you lust after another person, then you are guilty of adultery. Really? 
I mean, part of being a human being is sexual desires. Yeah, you can call it lust. That's what enables us to procreate. That's what enables our species to survive is because we have these desires. Is Jesus literally saying, is he giving us a black and white, that if you look at another person and you lust after them, that you are guilty? Or is Jesus giving us a new idea situated in the grayness? When Jesus says these things, is Jesus helping us move from very clear, this is right, this is wrong, to one where we pause and have to do and think through some things and begin to realize the complexity of it all? Well, when you stop and think about that and what is happening in the Bible, that then will roll over into what we as Christians believe today. Churches, for the most part, tell its members what to believe. They tell them what the Bible says. They don't, the majority of them, will tell you this is right, this is wrong. This is what God wants for you. How many times have you heard people say, God loves da-da-da-da-da, God hates this? They say it was so certain, so much certainty. This is black, this is white. When it comes to many different beliefs that Jesus died for your sin, that Jesus was God, that there is a trinity, that there is the consequences of sin is death. All of these, for the most part, are taught in a very black and white setting. But if you begin to think for yourself, if you begin to actually slow down and read the Bible for yourself, not what other people have said about the Bible, but to actually read it, all of a sudden you realize it isn't as black and white as people want it to be. It just isn't. Try it. Try just take Genesis and read it for yourself. And all of a sudden you begin to realize that there's things in there that raise a lot of questions and raise a lot of doubts. But what happens is if you begin to question those, you can become a threat to other people. If someone is comfortable with black and white thinking, and that is, that is their kind of their, their base, and then you come along with gray thinking, and you raise questions, you talk about doubts, you talk about other evidence that you have found, that can be very threatening to people that are black and white. I mean... This isn't on only just in religion. It's, it's in politics. It's in the larger culture. It's there. But I want to focus again. We're focusing on just Christianity. And Christianity says this is the right things to believe. These are the things that we hold to be true. And the idea being that if it's true, it's always true. It doesn't change. It doesn't need to change because there is a constant. One individual said the following, 
Truth is black and white. That is, it is objective and eternal, not subjective, not fluid. The truth about the truth, this individual says, is that it is unchanging, forever settled. What was true yesterday about spiritual things is true today and will be true tomorrow. Well, again, if you read the Bible carefully, that ain't true. The prophets, the writers are always continually checking and correcting each other. So if there was truth and truth is constant, we wouldn't see this variance that occurs throughout the Bible. The Bible is changing. The Bible is fluid. The Bible does present conflicting ideas. And that is why individuals who have moved from black and white thinking to more of the gray within Christianity often find themselves without a home. If you are moving into gray thinking, you can be threatening to people in your family, you can be threatening to your friends, and you can be threatening to people that you go to church with. But there are those individuals who are learning to embrace the gray. One individual in particular, you'll find a link in the show notes for it. It's The title of the article is Gunslinger Theology. And this writer talks about two different ideas of being able to take beliefs and categorize them into two different categories. Number one, when it comes to beliefs, he describes them as I don't care beliefs, meaning that if they are true or not true, it really isn't important to me. I was talking to one individual about this, and he said, well, for me, one of those I don't care beliefs is the Trinity. He says, I, I, I can't make sense of it. And when I read the Bible, it appears to be ambiguous. I mean, there's hints of it, but you have to read a lot into it to make the Trinity sound like it does in the doctrines that we have today. So these I don't care beliefs. So my question for you is when you think about Christianity, are there some I don't care beliefs or I don't care doctrines? Things where you would say, if it's right, yeah. If it's wrong, yeah. I really don't care. It's not a significant impact upon my life. So, for example, let me ask you, when it comes to the nature of Jesus, Jesus being God, Jesus being born of a virgin, Jesus raising from the dead, are those I don't care beliefs for you? Or are those black and white? Are those non-negotiable? Or do you allow for ambiguity, for other ways perhaps of thinking about or relating to who Jesus was. But again, if you read the Gospels, they seem to be very conflicted on who Jesus was. In fact, it, it appears they don't figure it out until some 60, 70, maybe even hundreds of years after Jesus was no longer on this earth. So these are these I don't care beliefs, these I don't care doctrines. The other category that he says many individuals who are moving into the grave will find is what he calls I don't know beliefs or I don't know doctrines. 
These are the beliefs where you've moved from the black and white into the gray, and in the midst of the gray, as you've kind of wallowed in all of that uncertainty, you come to the point where you simply have to say, I don't know. I just don't know. So this is more than just doubts. This is simply confessing, I don't know, and I'm learning to be okay with that. One individual said that for him, these I don't know beliefs, one of them is God, the nature of God. He said the following, our concepts about God are limited sketchy, incomplete, and full of ambiguity, resulting in theological humility. Theological humility. Thinking about God humility. Instead of just saying, God wants this, God wants that, there's this sense of saying, I don't know. I'm not sure. This is what I would like, but I might be wrong. Do you see the difference? Black and white, this is for certain. This is who God is. This is what God is like. Then these beliefs that were simply have to confess, I don't know. All of a sudden, now you're leaving all sorts of room for different possibilities and different understandings. It's constantly changing. It's constantly evolving. And at times, that can feel very threatening. It can make us feel insecure, especially if it's rooted on this idea that somehow what I believe or what I don't believe is going to impact my future, my eternal future. But maybe, maybe we need to go through that. Maybe we need to get into the gray more often. Again, I understand that there are times in our lives where we need the black and white. But to stay in the black and white all the time, for me, it's like burying your head in the sand. It's not very productive. It doesn't help. So what about you? Do you tend to be more of a black and white thinker or do you like the gray? And in, in particular, when it comes to Christianity, are you a black and white thinker? Or do you find yourself moving or perhaps living in the gray? What for you are the beliefs that perhaps you don't just care? And what beliefs do you have where you're able to say, I don't know. One of the greatest enjoyments that I have found in my life is being around people where I can talk about those two things. Why some beliefs, it doesn't matter. And why some beliefs, I have to say, I don't care. And what's so much fun is when you can talk to other people about these things, they expand your thinking. Especially if I can find someone who is also in the gray with me, it's almost like we can get together and, and it's, it's like you're, you're in this gray pit together and it's like, wow, 
sharing ideas and listening to them and they're saying something that is like, oh, I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, that makes me uncomfortable. But staying with that feeling of being uncomfortable, why? Because in the long run, it's going to help me as a person continue to grow and mature. Well, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Because in this podcast, being very honest with you, we do try to move into the gray. We do try to encourage you to think, to ask questions, to learn to be comfortable with that. And so if that's something that you enjoy doing and you enjoy listening to these podcasts, I would encourage you to please hit that like button, be it on Facebook, YouTube, wherever you're listening to, hit that like button. And if there's someone that you think would enjoy hearing this podcast, hit a share, share it with someone, tell someone about it. Why? Yeah, it's more than just trying to, to get our numbers up. Yeah, that's, that's would be nice. But it's not just about numbers anymore. It's about creating a culture where people that do have questions, where people that do have doubts, that people that are in the gray area, and they are uncomfortable perhaps learning to live in that, for them to realize they're not alone. They're not an odd duck. There's a lot of us ducks out there. So again, thank you for listening. I look forward to seeing you next time or hearing you next time. Again, if you have any questions, comments, love to hear from you. The email is below, media at beatitudeschurch.org. And until we are able to be together again, what no matter what you're doing out there, stay safe. Take care.